Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 8, Episode 46. Last week, I began the history around the migration of the Danites, from their territory allotment to northern Israel. Embedded in this history is the story of Micah and his idol, which was then the focus of the episode. If you missed it, you should really go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm picking up with a few of the places mentioned in the migration story. And with that, let's get started. The next natural place to cover would be Sidon. But I covered that place way back in Volume 1, Chapter 2, Episode 72, released in October 2017. Also, Aram has been recently mentioned. I covered that place and people even further back, over five years ago, in Volume 1, Episodes 56 and 57, released in June 2017. Which gets me to an important caveat. I am certain I've doubled up on a few topics. Do know that I do my best to make sure I haven't previously covered something before diving in, but I'm sure a few have slipped through. Next up is the city of Dan, which of course didn't have this name until it was conquered by the tribe of Israel with the same name. According to the book of Judges, before they arrived there, it was known as Laish, with various spellings found in the books of Joshua, Judges, and Isaiah also being known as Lashem and Lysha. The same text also relay that it was the northernmost city in ancient Israel. Its location, at least the ancient city with the name, is associated with a tell in the modern Golan Heights, appropriately named Tel Dan. Though a few rabbinic writers incorrectly identify Dan with Paneus, Eusebius more accurately placed Dan in the vicinity of Paneus, about four miles towards the port of Tyre. Later explorers, beginning in the 19th century, associated the city with the source of the Jordan River, partially due to the similar name, in that case, Don. American naval officer William F. Lynch was the first to identify Tel Qadi as the site of the ancient city of Dan, in that case in 1849. Three years later, Edward Robinson made the same identification, all of these pointing to the same location, which is now the most widely accepted. As for this location, it's in an area known as the Galilee Panhandle, which is in the northern Galilee. To the west is the slope of Mount Lebanon, to the east and north are the Hermon Mountains, Melting snow from the Hermon Mountains provides the majority of the water for the Jordan River, passing through Dan, making the small area surrounding the city highly agriculturally fertile. This means that the abundant vegetation is out of place when compared to the arid region just outside of the city. All of this providing a potential explanation for the wealth and comfort of the residents discovered by the Danite spies when looking for a place to relocate to. Backing up a bit in the history, and just before the spies arrived on the scene, the place was known as Laish, Hebrew for lion. The text implies the residents were allied with the Sidonians, but the latter were too distant to be of any immediate assistance when they were attacked. This distance would have been even more insurmountable given the Lebanon mountains are between the two cities. 
If the city was allied with Sidon, then they were likely Phoenicians, so potentially not native Canaanites, and arriving in the region not long before the Israelites returned from Egypt in their wandering. Not only was the town too far from the Sidonians for them to be of any assistance, but it was also too far from the Assyrians and Aram, in that case with the Hermon Mountains in between. This, too, was mentioned in the text. At least in some text, the Septuagint indicates that the town was unable to have an alliance with the Arameans, while the Masoretic text does not mention the Arameans, but instead states that the town had no relationship with any man. Textual scholars believe that this is a scribal error, with the word Adam, not spelled exactly like it sounds, but still meaning man, being a scribe's mistake in copying the name Aram, sometimes recorded as Aram Damascus. Either way, all of these places were too far to be of any help when the Danites arrived with some 600 warriors. It also didn't help that Laish was a prime target, described in the text as being defenseless and prosperous, a combination I have a hard time reconciling. I've studied history, formally, for over 30 years, and I'm having trouble coming up with another example of that particular combination. If true, and remember that when I began this podcast over six years ago, I said a base assumption I was operating under was that the text was true. Then being wealthy and defenseless was a patent, unmitigated, indefensible failure of leadership. But they were, and it led to their demise. Judges describes the tribe of Dan with its militarized 600 men brutally defeating the people of Laish, massacring the people, burning the town to the ground, and then rebuilding their city on the same spot. The narrative then tells us that with the rebuilding, Laish was renamed Dan, obviously after the victors. Next, they erected a sanctuary, which housed the idol stolen from Micah, with the priests serving it being the grandsons of Moses and possibly the same one who had previously served Micah. Later, likely in the 10th century BC, this sanctuary received one of the two golden calves of Jeroboam. More on that calf in a minute. The sanctuary would remain in use until the time of the captivity of the land, and the time that the house of God ceased to be in Shiloh. I covered when that possibly occurred in the last episode. According to both 2 Kings 10 and possibly 2 Chronicles, Jeroboam installed two calves as gods, one each in Bethel and Dan. There is a very minority view that it was these golden calves that serve as the basis for the same gilded bovine in the Exodus story. The proponents of this theory point towards the parallel abomination and worship of essentially the same idol. What isn't nearly as disputed is that this golden calf episode was certainly a black eye on Dan. There are others who posit that Jeroboam was trying to outdo the sanctuary at Jerusalem, a.k.a. Solomon's temple, by creating a seat for God that spanned the whole kingdom of Israel, rather than just the small space above the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. Bear in mind that the mercy seat, 
meaning the seat for God in the Jerusalem sanctuary, was represented by a cherub on either side. And so Jeroboam might have been using the calves to represent the sides of his seat for God, implying his whole kingdom was equal in holiness to the ark. This since one calf was in Dan, while the other was in Bethel, placing the two calves some 93 miles, 150 kilometers apart, much wider than the few feet on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Outside of the text, and in the archaeological record, the town was first occupied in the Late Stone Age, more precisely around 4500 BC, though it may have been abandoned not long after its initial settling, with the abandonment occurring sometime in the 4th millennium BC and lasting around 1,000 years. The Egyptians cursed Laish in the excoration text, so in the 3rd millennium BC. Later, Thutmosis III, who ruled in the 15th century BC, conquered a town named Rawasa, which may be the same as Laish. This was during his period of conquest when he created the largest land empire in Egyptian history, at least up until that point. Archaeological records from that general period include a city gate made of mud bricks on top of a megalithic basalt block stone. All estimated have been built during the Middle Bronze Age, around 1750 BC. This gate is frequently referred to as Abraham's Gate due to the biblical story that Abraham traveled to Dan to rescue his nephew Lot, as found in Genesis 14. Note that Genesis 14 calls the city Dan, which is a bit problematic. According to traditional sources, Genesis was written by Moses, but during his life, the city would have been called Laish, or potentially something else. Just not Dan, because Jacob turned Israel, the father of the man Dan, who the tribe of Dan was named after, had not even been born. According to later text, meaning Judges, the city was renamed Dan, placing the renaming several generations after Moses' death. Normally, I would tell you to make of that what you will, and you still can. But to me, the likely explanation is that Moses didn't know the city as Dan, but it was changed at a later date by a later scribe. As for this particular gate, it was restored in the late 2000s, and since has become a popular tourist attraction in northern Israel. Backing up just a few years, to 1992, excavations uncovered a mound of debris thought to date to the Assyrian occupation during the reign of Tiglath-Pileser III, so in the 8th century BC. Also, during this excavation, a different gate to the city was uncovered. This entrance led to a courtyard paved with stone and a low stone platform. It appears that in the 9th century BC, the platform was enlarged, major fortifications were built, along with the city wall with buttresses and a complex gate. At this gate was a raised square platform reached by two steps. Decorated stone sockets in the corners may have been created to hold canopy poles. It may have also been the base of the king's seat, where he could possibly sit in judgment, but most of that's a bit speculative. All of this seemingly indicating a large, 
and prosperous city. The podium was enlarged further in the 8th century BC, possibly during the reign of Jeroboam II, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Note that he was very indirectly descended from Jeroboam I, the keeper of the golden calves. Much of these structures ended up being destroyed by the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser III in the mid-8th century BC, though a few structures would remain through the Persian, Greek, and even Roman periods, with some evidence of religious functions occurring on the podium, occasionally known as the high place. Very creative. Within the ruins of the city wall, close to the entrance of the outer gate, parts of what had become known as the Tel Dan Stele were uncovered. The basalt stone bears an Aramaic inscription referring to one of the kings of Damascus. Archaeologists believe that the king it refers to is Hazael from the 9th century BC, though a few think it may have been Ben-Hadid from slightly later, but still in the same century. A small portion of the inscription remains, with the text containing a few letters which some think name the House of David. In the line of text directly above that reference is the phrase, the King of Israel. If it truly is a reference to King David, it would be the oldest such inscription uncovered at an archaeological site, with the next oldest being after 500 BC, so some 300 plus years later. Most of this was in the era of the Arameans, a period when Dan was cycled between control from Israel and that of Aram, as did many cities in Israel. But for Dan, it was particularly worse since it was Israel's northernmost city, and therefore closer to Damascus. So it goes many times in border towns. The Books of Kings suggest that Dan changed hands at least four times between the Kingdom of Israel and the Arameans. This is around the time that Israel was ruled by Ahab and the Arameans by Ben-Hadid I, each naturally followed by their heirs and successors. It was sometime around this period that the Tel Dan Stele was created by the Arameans during one of the periods of their control of Dan. The stone both directly and indirectly relays how usually, when the Assyrian Empire expanded to the south, the kingdom of Israel would become a vassal state. At one point, though, they rebelled, and the Assyrians invaded, with the town falling to Tiglath-Pileser III in 733 BC. Today, much of the area has been set aside as a nature preserve, and that's the city of Dan. One place I'll quickly cover is the town of Beth Rehob. It was mentioned in Judges 18 as controlling the valley where the city of Laish lay, likely an Aramean town, usually associated with the nearby cities of Zuba and Makkah. Later, it would ally with Ammon against David, as found in 2 Samuel. Beth Rehob is likely the same place as Rehob, mentioned in Numbers as the northernmost stopping place of the Moses-sent spies, the lot of which included Joshua and Caleb. Beth-Rehob was also proximate to Laish, meaning the Exodus spies nearly came to the same place as the Danite spies. Contrast their two reports. One found a land too great to conquer, and the other a defenseless people. 
all of this separated by a few miles and perhaps a few centuries. As for the pinpointed location of Beth Rehob, it has been lost to history, though a handful of unremarkable towns and tells have been suggested. Which brings me to a good stopping point for this week's episode. Join me next week when I'll press forward with the history found in the book of Judges. You don't want to miss it. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. This week, help others to find the podcast by leaving a positive review on iTunes or wherever you get the podcast from. You can find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page so that it's easier to find later. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they are released and you don't miss out. Thanks for listening and have a great week.